Good morning. Good morning. And happy Pride Month, people of resurrection. Oh, pride. I'll always remember coming out to my mom. You see, I'm from this small town called Beaumont, Texas, and it's not the best place to be queer. I remember asking her to sit down and telling her I have something very important to tell her. I cried as I told her that I was in love with my best friend, who happened to be of the same sex. And even though she did not fully understand, she reminded me that I was still her child and that she would always love me, no matter what. Ooh, I was overwhelmed, and still am, by the love in her response. I was actually surprised that she didn't ask me a whole bunch of questions about what is this whole gay thing, are you sure about it, and what have you done? She accepted me, no questions asked. When I was beginning to prepare for today's message, I was reading our scripture about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and you know, I've had 13 years of Catholic school education, so I thought I would remember something about it. I found myself asking lots of questions. First of all, I wanted to know what exactly a eunuch was in the Bible. Did you know the word eunuch used in the Bible actually has a very broad definition? It's kind of like an umbrella term for men who did not have sex with women. It could have included men who were castrated, men who were intersex, bisexual men, gay men, and transgender people. You see, our words, gay, transgender, bisexual, and intersex, did not exist as we know them when the Bible was written. Some eunuchs served queens and wealthy households. They were able to move across gender and social boundaries, and for their gender transgressions, some eunuchs could be known as transgender. Eunuchs were sexual outcasts in Jewish society. And the eunuch that we read about this morning was not only considered a sexual outcast, but he was also a foreigner, an outsider, non-Jew from Ethiopia. He is both a sexual and ethnic minority in our story. And this particular person, this African person, this eunuch was the first non-Jewish convert to Christianity. How did I have all of those years of Bible study and not know that? I think I can think of some reasons. So what happened in our scripture? If I could sum it up for you in one sentence, it would be that the eunuch asked questions that matter. The eunuch had just traveled to Jerusalem, the Holy Land, where he was seeking God to worship. And he was most likely denied entrance because people could tell that he was an outsider. People could tell his ethnicity and his eunuch status, and they would not have let him in. So he was returning home to Africa in his chariot with way more questions about God than answers. And I can just imagine him, after he traveled so many miles just to be turned away, that he sat by himself saying, well... I guess I'll have to figure this God thing out all by myself. And even though the eunuch was kept from approaching God, nothing could stop God from approaching him. This person was seeking the holy, and it seems that at the same time, the Holy Spirit was also seeking him. That same spirit moved Philip, a disciple of Jesus, to approach the eunuch. 
they have a conversation that's filled with questions. And Philip sees that the eunuch is reading that scripture passage and says, do you understand what you're reading? The eunuch responds with a question, how can I understand if nobody instructs me? He was actually reading a passage from the prophet Isaiah, and one of the lines is, in his humiliation, justice was denied him. You see, this passage that he's reading about is referring to a servant, and the eunuch was also a servant. He knew what it was like to be humiliated and to be denied justice. Perhaps he was wondering if the verse was referring to him. Philip tells him that the servant is Jesus, and the conversation they have that followed engaged the eunuch and Philip with one another and with God. Along the way, Philip and the eunuch came across some water, and the eunuch pointed out, saying, Look, there's water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? Notice how he asks this question. What is to prevent me from being baptized? It's sort of like, all right, what kind of hoops am I going to have to jump through in order to be able to join the family of God? Perhaps he asked the question in this way because he understood the barriers to faith community, because he understood the barrier to the relationship with God. The eunuch understood rejection. The eunuch knew oppression. The eunuch knew inequality. Perhaps some of us can relate to the eunuch's experience. Like many of us, eunuchs did not feel welcome in some places of worship, and they were kept from full participation. Sexual and gender minorities today have been denied ordination as priests and pastors and nuns and denied sacraments, including marriage and communion. Our relationships have not been blessed by some churches. We may be allowed marginal participation if we leave our sexuality at the, at the door, if we don't ask, don't tell, if we promise not to be a practicing homosexual or self-expressing transgender person. Know what I'm talking about? <laughs> there were some things in this scripture this morning that really confused me. First of all, did you notice that the eunuch is not given a name in the entire story. He is consistently referred to by his gender or sexual difference. He's merely the eunuch. How many of us here are referred to by aspects of the truth of ourselves that make us other? Oh, there go the gays. I see this over and over when after a transgender woman is murdered for living, living her truth out loud, the headlines always seem to say, transsexual murdered. Or worse, they use her male name and male pronouns. The next thing that really confused me is that the eunuch didn't ask for permission to be baptized. The eunuch didn't even really ask Philip to baptize him. What he asked was, why not? He asked if there were any barriers or things that would prevent him or exclude him from being included in the Christian community. The eunuch asked, baptism? Why not? And this question actually engaged the eunuch with the Holy One. Ask, seek, knock. Growing up, I wasn't exactly encouraged to question the doctrine or the teachings of the particular church that I went to. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I remember talking to my parents when I was about eight or nine years old saying, you know, I think I might want to be a priest when I grow up. 
And one day my dad, after church, after the mass, brought me out and to talk to the priest. And he's like, oh, tell Father what, what you were saying about wanting to be a priest. And I said, okay. So I went up and I said, you know, I think I want to be a priest when I grow up. And the priest smiled at me and kind of bent down and looked at me and said, you know, that's great, Stacy, but you can be a priest, just not in this church. And when I asked, why not, the priest said, well, you're a girl, and girls cannot be priests. Only boys can, without any further explanation. You see, I am a person of transgender experience, and that means I was born and raised female, and I live out the truth of who I am today, a man. Whew. Thank you. You see, I was never satisfied with the answers I was given when I asked those why not questions. You know, the answers of, it's a mystery, we're not supposed to understand it, or don't question, just take it on faith. I learned that whenever I asked why not, there would usually be some sort of barrier put up in front of inclusion. I looked to one of my very favorite holy people, a young Jewish girl in the Bible named Mary to see if she ever asked questions of God. When the angel Gabriel came to her and told her that God was calling her to be the mother of Jesus, you know how she responded? With a question. She asked, wait a minute, angel. Hold on a second here. You're telling me that I am going to become pregnant with Jesus, who is to be the savior of the world, and I haven't had sex with a man, and I know that to get pregnant, I have to have sex with a man. So how is this all going to work? She asked, how can this be? And then you know what happened? The angel didn't respond, take it on faith, don't question God. <laughs> he actually took the time to explain to her what exactly was going to happen. You see, Mary asked a question that mattered. After the eunuch asked Philip about baptism, we don't know what Philip said, but we do know what Philip did. He went down in the water with the eunuch, baptized him into the family of God, and the eunuch went away rejoicing. This baptism meant and means that you, yes, even you, are included in the death and resurrection of the body of Christ. Even when you don't accept yourself as you are, even when others don't accept you as you are, God accepts you. Mother Teresa even said it. You don't need to be any different than you are right now at this moment to be included in the love of God, to be included and valued as one of God's own, and nothing and no one can separate you from that love. The way you are right now, right at this moment, is precious to God. In our reading today, I was also surprised by Philip's response to the eunuch when the eunuch said, what is to prevent me from being baptized? I was surprised by what Philip did not say. First of all, Philip didn't come up with this list of things that would prevent the eunuch from being baptized. He didn't say, well, first you need to say these lines and you need to accept this with all your heart and you need to attend these classes and you need to give this money and you have to repent of your sins. He didn't say 
any of that. He baptized him. Next, Philip didn't say, well, I can't baptize someone like you. You know, you're not Jewish, and you're not a chosen person. He didn't say that. He also did not use the Bible against the eunuch. There is a verse in scripture that Philip would have known then in Deuteronomy 23 that specifically says that eunuchs are not to be included in the assembly or the family of God. Philip could have opened up some scripture, turned to that little page and said, well, eunuch, you know, um, I would like to baptize you, but in the Bible right here it says that eunuchs are not included in the assembly of God. So, oh well. Philip did not use the Bible to exclude the eunuch from the love of God. And you know what else Philip didn't do? Philip did not ask the eunuch a whole bunch of questions about what his genitals looked like, how he became a eunuch, yeah, wake up, or what his <laughs> lifestyle was all about. Did any of those responses seem familiar? In our reading, we see what happens when Philip responds out of love, guided by the very spirit within him. No questions asked. Philip was moved to share Jesus' inclusive love with this ethnically and sexually different outcast with someone who most of the world then would have called deviant. Who knew that Philip was such an ally? All right. Even, the, even though Philip didn't ask the eunuch a bunch of questions about his sexuality or his body, many people these days share the experience of being asked those types of questions, you know, those questions that are incredibly personal and at times invasive. A very commonly asked type of question is, so you're two women, how do you, do you can you have sex? Does that even work? Or you're two men, who does what? Or you're with a transgender person, like what do you even do? These kinds of questions highlight the very privilege of being heterosexual, where it would be very strange and weird for someone to ask you about how you have sex. And I'm trying, but it's difficult for me to understand why the answers to those types of questions really matter. When I make the decision to come out as transgender, or when someone makes that decision for me and decides to out me, there are a set of questions that I routinely get. Have you completed your transition? Have you had the surgery? They also ask me, how do you use the restroom? Sometimes they look at my crotch and say, so do you have a, you know. Whew. And all of these questions, my family, all of these questions are ways to ask, what do your genitals look like? And you know, in everyday conversations, we usually don't ask people about their genitals. <laughs> I don't go around and say, so how's your vaginal health? <laughs> Have you had that hysterectomy yet? What about those hormone levels? How are they doing? Or how's that erectile dysfunction going? <laughs> that would be really strange. And these sorts of questions do not help us to engage people and to build relationships. When people ask questions about others' genitals, even in these very polite and, oh, I just wanted to know, or, oh, I saw this program on Discovery Health kind of ways, some people feel really uncomfortable and would rather not continue the conversation. 
So what can we do about this at Resurrection? If you look at your bulletin on page six, you know I'm a teacher. Take home page, there will not be homework assigned. There are two kinds of questions. So the first is if someone asks a question about somebody's genitals, trans or not really, and then the second kind of question is about how an LGBT person has sex. In the very top, there's a response for the trans person who's been asked these questions, and so they can either choose to say something like this or just hand the card if they don't feel like giving them the time of day. <laughs> so that person being asked about their genitals might say, if you're receiving this card, you've just asked me about my genitals. <laughs> and it kind of lets them know what's going on. That there's also responses for, if you don't get this sort of question, if people don't ask you it, but maybe you've seen other people ask some people this type of question about their genitals, there's ally responses. And look, there's many to choose from, depending on your personality. My personal favorite is handing them the card that says, it doesn't matter. Then we have the question, if somebody asks you or someone you know about how they have sex, that one response option here is, if you're receiving this card, you've just asked me how I have sex. Don't worry, I'd prefer not to talk about that with you. And then we also have ally cards for those of us who aren't being asked the question necessarily, but to go ahead and step in and let people know what's going on. So I really hope that you'll take some of these with you, create some on your own, and be allies for one another. You can make cards for yourself and carry them around for when somebody asks questions that don't matter. While it is true that asking questions is a very important part of building relationships with people. Questions like, so where's your family from? What do you like to do for fun? What's important to you? What do you really value? Questions about people's sexual behavior and genitals really don't matter. Unless maybe you're a physician doing some appropriate exam, or maybe you're interested in a romantic or sexual relationship with someone. That makes sense. When we make it a priority to know how queer people have sex, or what transgender people's bodies look like under their clothes, we can miss out on who they are as people, with hearts and minds and spirits, as well as bodies. It is time for this world to move out of the bedrooms of queer folk and out from under the clothes of trans folk. Now, I know that many people in here have actually asked these questions myself included, and maybe feeling embarrassed or, or guilty about them. And you know, I was raised Catholic, but I am not here to pass on that guilt to you. <laughs> Please, don't worry. I think it is totally normal and okay to have these questions in our minds and to wonder, hmm, I wonder what that person looks like naked, or I wonder how they have sex. However, wondering and asking are two different things. I hope you give yourself permission to make mistakes and then challenge yourself to learn from them. Because when we approach each other in love, we don't need to be afraid of making mistakes. Remember that Philip did not ask the eunuch questions about what surgery he had had, how he has sex, or what his genitals looked like. Philip did not shame or admonish the eunuch for being someone who fell outside of traditionally held gender roles and gender norms. In the end, what really mattered was not the eunuch's sexual or gender variance. It was his desire for the holy. 
his desire to be included in the community of the body of Christ. The eunuch knows what it's like for people not to understand him. And many of us share that with him. But you know what the good news is in all of this? The good news, people of God, is that even though people may not understand us, God knows us through and through. So where is Jesus in this, you might be asking. Does Jesus really understand this whole eunuch thing? Well, you know, he did talk about eunuchs. If we look at the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is very clear about the inclusion of eunuchs in God's family. He makes it clear that many eunuchs are born that way. Direct quote from Jesus and Lady Gaga. From their mother's... <laughs> That's right. Anybody can bring the word. They're born that way from their mother's womb. Jesus' voice is one that specifically affirms them and us. In fact, Jesus shared many things in common with LGBTQ people today. He knows rejection. He's the cornerstone. He knows that rejection from high church officials and abandonment from his friends in his time of need. Jesus knows what it's like to try to live in a way that is in line with who he was created to be and not be understood and not meet society's standards of what they thought the Messiah was supposed to be. Jesus knows violence and crimes motivated by hate, ignorance, and jealousy. Jesus knows these things. The eunuch knows these things. And we know these things too. Jesus is really thoroughly there with the eunuch and completely here with us through our similar struggles. Jesus gets it and loves us through it, no matter what, no questions asked. My mom's acceptance of me as a queer person is similar to how I see Jesus's acceptance of all of us. One day she told me, when you die and go to heaven, I don't think God would ask you about who you loved, who you had sex with, or what gender you were. It is people who are interested in that sort of stuff. God already knows. Her response, go mama, her response led me to know that God has this whole trans thing and this queer thing already figured out, and that my truth is part of God's truth that matters. God already knows how we feel about our genders and sexualities. After all, God made us. My family in Christ, may we be moved to follow the example of the eunuch who asked questions that mattered and sought out God even in the face of oppression. Because of his questioning, he was able to connect with God. May we follow the example of Jesus who loves us for all of who we are exactly as we are, of Philip who talked less and did more, and of my mom who accepted her child unconditionally with no questions asked today and every day. May we be still and know that we are welcomed in this church and in the family of God. Amen. <laughs>